I've just discovered your music, which is, I mean, I just love it. Your latest album is amazing. So that's why I thought, uh, see if I could get you on the program. And, and thank you for your courtesy and thank you for uh, allowing us to do that. Oh, sure. I'm honoured and, and, and humbled <laughs> by that. Thank you. Well, look, it's an interesting story. So let's start at the start. We're told you grew up on a small farm in Frederick County in Maryland. And you first got into music when you started playing violin in fourth grade. Now, uh, Question first up, did you see it as a violin or a fiddle? Well, I wanted to play the fiddle because my dad had a friend who had a band, and I was real young and went to see this band play somewhere. I can't even remember, but I just remember staring and watching that fiddle player. So that's what I wanted to learn. And when they started offering instrument classes at school, I said, I want to play the fiddle. And they said, well, we could teach you to play the violin. <laughs> what's the difference what is the difference between playing the violin and the fiddle i mean what what is involved to make it different well, uh, the, whether you're playing classical music or you're playing country music oh, okay oh that's pretty simple there is a stylistic this difference okay. yes yeah. that was a stupid question so. soon as it came out of my mouth i said what the hell am i asking that for <laughs> and the fiddle is so much country music. And you know what I love? I love the fact that uh, there's a lot of people like yourself, other artists, who are not afraid these days, 2022, of getting fiddle and steel guitars in country music. It's almost like it's almost there's a period of time where people are going, no, we've got to get rid of the fiddle and steel guitar. To me, it is country music when I hear those instruments. I agree 100%. I don't think you can have country music without fiddle and steel. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, of course, you worked as a disc jockey in your college days. Uh, I, I'm, in, yeah. I'm in radio, so I just love it. How, how, how come you never got the bug to keep going as a disc jockey? Well, I, had, uh, I was doing it while I was a student at college, so it was the college radio station. And, but my degree was in sociology, actually. <laughs> Right. So I got a job doing that. Uh, I'd always worked with computers. So actually, when I got my first job in sociology, about a year into it, somebody came at the local health department and said, you hear you're good at computers. And I asked how much it paid. And they told me, I said, oh, I'll take that. Right. <laughs> it paid and a lot better. And of course... <laughs> And, of course, you started your own business, uh, Digital Age Solutions. So, you know, it's kind of a, yeah. a, a 180 away from country music, isn't it? Yes, yeah. It was uh, a lot of people who have known me as the IT guy right. <laughs> were very surprised to find out that I have this um, whole other life. <laughs> That's right. Well, you... Um you gave this up. I mean, you were you were certainly dreaming of a life going to Nashville and becoming a singer-songwriter. You put all that on hold, really, to, to get married, I guess, to raise a family as well. Yeah, I knew people who uh, were pursuing the music career and saw how much of a toll it takes on relationships, marriages, time with children, and I, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to be there with my wife and kids. I, I'm, I don't regret that at all. It's been wonderful to be here with them but it did put that dream on hold didn't it yeah it did it really did it, it was a choice that I, I had to make yes now an interesting story comes up with when covid hit now your wife who's a nurse she worked at a, a local hospital and and covid unit so to speak and 
Well, I mean, COVID took a toll on everybody, and and particularly in those early right. early days, because uh, even here in Australia, we we had a lot of people who were suffering mental health problems. They were suffering all sorts of things because this thing was something we'd never uh, cope with before. Your your wife didn't cope with it very well at all in the beginning, did she? Well, no, because everyone was scared of what it was, and frankly, we were unprepared with not having a supplies and not having enough uh, preparation for something like this. So we didn't know how deadly it was. We didn't know how contagious it was. And then they were literally using like plastic sheet protectors for pieces of paper as face shields because they didn't have the supplies they needed at the hospital. So she was afraid to get it and then bring it home and spread it to us. Yes, and of course, uh, you had to isolate away from uh, from Emily in a guest house during that. Yeah. Now, this is how beautifully the universe works, because there you are isolated, and, and as I hear it, and correct me if I'm wrong, you then went through um, a box of old love letters from uh, your wife that she wrote to you, encouraging you to go to Nashville. That must have been a real trip down memory lane when you started opening those letters up. It really was because I had forgotten all about them. I I opened this box, and in the box was this little safe that I used to have as a kid. And as soon as I saw that, I thought, oh, I've forgotten all about this. And I couldn't believe I remembered the combination to the lock. (laughs) And I opened it up, and there were all these letters that we had written to each other back and forth all through high school. And... I just I picked up that letter and read it, and it said, uh, "I know you'll be a country music singer, and you're going to take me on tour with you." <laughs> and wow! That 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 was it. <laughs> that must have brought back a flood of memories for a career that you were going on, but then you were diverted to, and and you'd love to do it, but you were diverted to uh, to raise a family. That must have uh, the memories must have come flooding back at that stage. Oh yeah, I mean I thought of things from back then that I hadn't thought about in decades, you know, playing fiddle with, uh, this guy drew Hart that, uh, was, he was trying to make his way to Nashville back then. And at the time when I started with him, I wasn't even 18. So I wasn't even allowed in the bars. <laughs> mm. <laughs> it was a great experience. And I'd just forgotten all about it with time. But that was then the impetus for you to start writing again. You've come up with this latest album called Better Late Than Never, and uh, the title says it all, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. Uh, because the the next song that I released after the COVID flu was uh, Heard Again, and that song I wrote, I started to write in college. And I had, it was done, but I just never liked the ending of it. And after the great response to the COVID flu, I sat here and fixed the end of the hurt again, and I played it. And again, my daughter said, said from the other room, she said, Dad, who sang that song? And I said, no one's ever sang that song but me. And she said, but I've heard it. And I said, yeah, only here. No one else has ever heard it. And she said, that, that's just great. And she has a twin brother, and he said, that's my favorite song. You should do that. Oh, wow. So I... I I just kept writing, and then at one point I came up with the song Better Late Than Never, which really is autobiographical, <laughs> and I couldn't think of a better title to the album than <laughs> that story. That long and winding road sure made me hesitate A shortcut 
shut seems so tempting, I'd be sure not to be late. For those journeys I'd be missing, in the end it's worth the wait. It's better late than never for my dreams to be saved. I always dreamed of Nashville on stage with my guitar. Life has never seemed to match my dream shows live over chasing the star. We are chatting with Mike Custer on Making an Eggs this morning, all the way from Maryland in the United States. Mike, uh, when you finished this album as a performer, how did you feel? Would, was it kind of like um, unfinished business? Yes, absolutely. And each step of the way in producing this album has been so fulfilling. And uh, just, you know, it feels like something I should have been doing all along and I wish I would have done. And to hear, you know, other musicians take what I've written, especially studio musicians who play better than I, you know, playing my music and then putting it all together and having Dr. Ford produce the album. And it sounds like something that you hear on the radio. And <laughs> I, I could have only dreamt of that in the past. So. It sounds like real country music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we... we it's we, not just me fucking a guitar. Exactly. No, we, we absolutely love it. And listener response has been wonderful too. So it's fabulous. And, yeah, and you... Great. Yeah, and you obviously use the best musos because the instrumentation on this album is fantastic. Oh, yeah. They, these guys are great. Like Mike Cleveland... Uh, plays the fiddle and mandolin with us. Uh, he's just, I mean, he's an award-winning musician. He's legendary. And uh, Chris Condon plays the guitars with me, and he he plays for Billy Ray Cyrus. He has his, his house is a studio, so he's constantly making music in Nashville. Uh, Smith Curry, who's playing the uh, pedal steel and the dobro, he plays with everybody. If Dolly Parton, Randy Travis, you name them, he's, He's there playing with those people on their album. So it was just amazing to have them playing my music. <laughs> just little old me from Maryland. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, I think you under undersell yourself a little bit, Mike. I, I just think, you know, uh, <laughs> as soon as I heard your music, I went, wow, I've got to have him on the radio. You know, because sometimes you'll listen to songs and you go, yeah, that's okay. But your songs hit me straight away. I just went, these are, these are a class act. Oh, thank you very much. That means the world to me. Thank you. Well, Mike, it's true. And uh, we're talking with uh, Mike Custer uh, this morning. He's in Maryland in the USA, which is fairly close to Washington, around that sort of area. Now, you live in a, a small community, really, because I think it's around about population 5,800, which is about, which is less than half of our population here, although we have our population grow with tourists coming into quite a large amount. Uh, but you do other things things apart from uh, country music as well. Uh, you, you're multi-talented. Uh, do you, you volunteer a lot. Tell us about that. Well, yeah, I grew up in the 4-H program, which I think you all have 4-H or something similar to it, but it's the largest youth organization in, Mer in, the, actually in the United States, but it's rooted a lot in agriculture. Uh, so I just grew up in the program and give back to it. I used to work as a 4-H agent and when I left there, I just continued volunteering as a club leader. I'm on the camp center board of directors, so we make sure that there's a place for the kids to go camping and have fun in the woods and learn about nature. I also 
uh, volunteer with my town, which is a, a very small town. Uh, we're close by to a larger city, but we're a very agrarian society here. And you serve on the Planning and Zoning Commission for the town of Walkersville? Yes, that's right. Yeah, so we're we're responsible for planning how the town will grow, which it is growing quickly. <laughs> You'll continue to make music. What's, what's your aim over the next maybe five years, half a decade? What what do you want to do? Continue on doing your country music? Yes, we, we're uh, ramping up. We've uh, started the second album already. Good. Uh, I've got nine songs written for that, and we did guitar tracks yesterday for two of them. And we laid tracks for the first one about two or three weeks ago. Uh, so that album, I hope, will be done by the end of the year. And you know, I just hope people listen to it, uh, stream the album, buy the album, buy the CD, and invite me to come out and perform for them, because I'd love to do that. That is terrific. Hey, listen, I've got the name for your last album, the very last album when you, you know, you sort of taken the boots off, put the guitar in the case, and you're finished. I've got the name for your final album. Okay. Custer's Last Stand. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I've considered naming the band the Last Stand Band. <laughs> oh, that is a great name. Now, of course, Custer, uh, General Custer, that was no, his name was a C, not a K. Yes, but he is a cousin, distantly. Hello, uh, hello. When the, <laughs> yeah, when the Germans moved over here, uh, a lot of them got their name anglicized. So my family came over with William Penn when they uh, settled Pennsylvania. Oh, wow, that's and, a great uh, history. So they were, yeah, they've been here since the late 1600s. So there, there's a lot of Custers, and they just, some of them spelled with a C, some with a K, but... My line goes all the way back, K's all the way to Germany. Wow. Well, Mike Custer, it has been just a pleasure to talk with you this morning here on our breakfast program, Make It and Eggs. Uh, look, I think you deserve national and, in fact, international uh, attention with your work, and we uh, we closely watch your work, and we look forward to that album, that you, the next album you do. I, mean, I haven't finished with this this album yet, but we, we really welcome new material from you, and we'll keep an eye on you from uh, way over here down under. That's great. I really appreciate it. I, I love the support from Australia, and I thank you so much, Paul, for having me on. Well, would you say hello to your lovely wife and your children and wish uh, them the best from us? I absolutely will. Thank you. Stay safe. You too. Take care. Never in my life trouble, I got worries on my mind. Ain't no better medicine than three things get me by. One good friend Mix those three together My soul be